Welcome to The Personhood. It's Nat Siagen here, your person, digital mentor, and strategist for the day. Our Passion to Paycheck Creators series explores in-depth conversations with professional creators across the world from different industries and areas of expertise who will share how they were able to turn their passion and projects into a profession and series of paychecks. Are you ready to grow together? Let's go. In today's chat, we're learning from Greg Lawson. Greg is a business owner, recent psychology graduate, and disability support worker. Greg created The Career Box, a passion project turned business, which involves assisting people who are ready to make a change in their careers by creating bespoke resumes, tailored cover letters, coaching, and advice. Basically, he's a career cheerleader. He's also the owner, marketer, accountant, social media manager, HR, and everything else in between. Hard relate, Greg. Hard relate. In this episode, Greg and I discuss the power of backing yourself, how to take calculated risks confidently, building a career you love, and ingredients for a successful resume that will get you noticed. Let's crack on. This is Greg Lawson for The Personhood. Hey, Greg. Welcome to our world at The Personhood podcast. We're so excited to have you join us today. Thank you. I'm really excited too. And for those listening, this is our 15th attempt at an introduction because we're cackled. We can't keep up. We love a cackle. We love a cackle. So I actually met Greg way back in the day. We used to work at an organization called the Travel Corporation. And Greg, you used to work at Busabout. Correct. Yes. Yeah, long time ago. That was a formal life for both of us, but it was a good time, but it was, I don't remember much of it. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, like, you know, we've, I've watched your journey for quite some time now. And from what I understand, you, you know, you, you got made redundant in the travel industry and now you're a psychology student, but you've also created this incredible business called The Career Box. So, Yeah, tell us a little bit more about you as a person and the creator behind the career box. For sure, yeah. So feeling a bit triggered from the redundancy. Thanks for bringing that up. No, I'm kidding. It's fine. I um, I, Yeah, I was made redundant along with the rest of the travel industry when Miss Rona came soaring through our borders. But Mm. prior to that, so yeah, I was working in the travel industry for like most of my career. Over started over in Melbourne. I was working as... You know, if we're going way back, I was at the Jetstar Reservation Centre doing like over the phone sales for domestic flights for three dollars. It was good times. Anyway, from there, I went travelling and I worked, started working with Flight Centre in the UK, and then did that for a couple of years. And I loved it. I just thought I can't believe I'm getting paid to like talk about travel all day and getting all these amazing holidays for free. Like it was, you know, when you're young and you're in the travel industry, and like they ply you with free trips, and it's just the most oh. amazing thing. It was like, so that's, fun. The trips were amazing, but the pay not so good. And I think that's what they, you know, that's the the balance. But anyway, so yeah, worked with Flight Centre for a few years. And then I had enough of the UK. I had what they call the Heathrow injection, where I put on about 400 kilos. My skin was grey, like I just looked ill. <laughs> and so I thought, oh, no, I need to come home. And I moved back to Australia. And that's where I started with the Travel Corporation. So 
Mm-hmm. Um, I got a job as a there was so many different names for it, the role that I was doing. It was like sales rep, state sales manager, BDM. It was all the same. Essentially, I was just going around to travel agencies and promoting bus about and, you know, getting people drunk, which was mostly <laughs> me getting drunk. So I did that for a couple of years and that's where we we worked together. So I was originally in Perth and then I moved over to Sydney and I met you at oh. the Sydney HQ and literally I did no work. Like it was the, I was the running joke of that place. I was like, I'd come in on a Friday and just be like a cyclone and be like, everyone, let's go for lunch. <laughs> let's go to the bar. Oh I, I feel you. I remember in my like first week at work, it was like a Kentucky Legends party and we just got super oh, drunk yeah. and I think like... Yeah. Peking duck plate or something. It was, it was a fun time. <laughs> yeah, Kentucky had such a mad sort of like party lifestyle. You guys had all the big events like the Kentucky. What was that thing you just said? The one that I was never Kentucky invited Legends. to. The, the Kentucky Legends. Yeah, I was never allowed to go because we were bus about anyway. But yeah, I always thought like Kentucky was so massive and big, and bus about was like the the smaller brand. So we were like the underdogs that would come in. And anyway, I loved that job so much. It was so fun. I got to travel the world. I met so many people, like amazing travel agents, amazing colleagues. And then from there, I I was actually supposed to go over to Europe to be a tour guide. And then mm. I met somebody and fell in love and it's worked out. And, you know, we're still together. We bought a house and everything. Oh, so like yeah. it was worth it. But yeah, so I was supposed to continue on with Bus About, but then I decided like, you know, how often does love come around? So mm. cheesy. <laughs> and I hope he doesn't listen to this because he's going to get such a big head about me talking about it. <laughs> yeah, so I was supposed to go overseas. Anyway, stayed back, moved back to Perth with no job, like no idea of what I was going to do. I was literally living in like house sitting on the beach. It was beautiful. But yeah, I was like, I want to get back in the travel industry and it was impossible. There was like Perth is a small place and all the roles are filled. So I then got a job at like a design uh, website, design company as an account manager Mm -hmm. for like five months. Not me building websites, but me (laughs) doing the account management and also learning how to do all the design elements as well, just the basic Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I went traveling again, so moved over back to the UK. And then I also moved to Canada and then came back and started with Covermore Travel Insurance, which I loved working for them. That was one of my favorite jobs, favorite companies as well. Like I can't speak more highly about them. I worked for two and a half years and then I started off as a business development manager and then I moved into a national business manager role, promoted, no big deal, don't want to, bro- you know, humble brag. And loved it. I had the best boss. You know, it was so good. We worked really well together. Mm. Um, And then Miss Rona came and destroyed everybody's hopes and dreams and kicked us all to the curb. And that was, what, I think May 2019 I finished with Covermore. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. that's where the career box kind of started to come into fruition. My little Mm -hmm. baby. So I was, yeah, from May until December, I was just kicking back, doing a few online courses. I enrolled into uni just to do like a a short undergraduate certificate. And I had, there were three options that were sent to my email as like an advertisement. Mm -hmm. And one was architecture, one was teaching and one was psychology. And I was like, oh, all right, I might do the psychology one because I'm bored and like, I don't want to work. And I started it and I just loved it. I was like, this is like what I was supposed to do. Like I really enjoy the content. It is hard 
to like university as a mature age student is very I would not recommend like do not write was not on my vision board <laughs> but it's like it's paying off like I you know you put in the hard work you get the results quick question so just mm-hmm. you know for us to understand did the career box come before psychology or did psychology finding psychology and did that lead you to the career box yeah so I started psychology first and then the Mm -hmm. career box came after that and everything happened sort of like in a beautifully sliding doors way like it was it wasn't as though I had set out at the you know being made redundant I was like right I'm going to start a business I need to like get some cash I need to have an income what am I good at what can I do it would just kind of like it fell into place gradually became the career box which you know I like when I think of the career box and like I look at my website I'm like I can't you know that's something that I've built all on my own and it started from literally nothing which is I think I was talking to another friend the other day who is also a business owner and we just message each other every now and then we're like this is just so crazy how you can create something out of nothing. Like if you if you put your mind to it, you can make an income out of literally something that comes out of your head. Like we're just baffled by it and we think it's such an exciting thing. And, yeah, so psychology came first. And then mm-hmm. so one of my really good friends, Laura Orman, she used to work at Student Flights Universal Traveller. She started a little side hustle of just helping people with their resumes mm-hmm. and she contacted me and was like, oh, I need help to like, I'm getting a bit of inquiry. And so I just started helping her out with resumes on the side, just as like Mm. a ghostwriter. So she Mm -hmm. would do all the, you know, the talking and whatnot. And then I would write the resumes and then it was like a one month thing. And she just closed down the Instagram page. And I was like, actually, I'm really good at this. Like I'm, I like writing resumes. I like talking Mm. to people about industries and finding out about, you know, what they're good at. And so then the career box, it was literally within a day I woke up and was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to find a name for my business to start with. And once Mm -hmm. I get the name of the business, everything will fall into place. And (laughs) I remember sitting there racking my brains, like trying to think of a name. And I was going on like, you know, those business pages with net registry where you're looking for like business names if they already exist. And I had some stupid like the resume like a lot of the resume in the like the business name and then the career box just came to me I was like this just sounds really good sounds right like it sounds correct and so I just registered it and within 24 hours I built my website posted like got an ABN put it all out there and then it all yeah that was like January and then my first website was shit like it was <laughs> the font you need to do a before my, and after yeah I think I've got screenshots it was like oh, my great. font was aerial bold as a logo and now as you can see I've got like a way better logo my Ooh. advice to people is pay a designer if you want to like get a brand so yeah I started the website and then that was January and I literally you know when you first start a business and you're like, all right, in 24 hours, I'm going to be a billionaire. Like, it's happening. And then I realized, oh, actually, <laughs> as time went on, I'm like, I'm going to work for this. Like, do not take your foot off the pedal. Mm. Like, you really have to invest your time and energy to get business, especially when you're starting out because you're just competing with the likes of, like, everyone on Google. Like, if you're trying to get listed or, like, on that first page, that's honestly... So, yeah, that's how it happened. It all, it all kind of came to fruition very quickly at the start of the year. Yeah, I mean, like, it sounds like you've had a really nonlinear career pathway and it's kind of like it's in these 
particularly, you know, you the way that you kind of fell into it, you know, was never something that you were thinking about. You kind of got this opportunity and almost developed this passion. Like mm. it feels like the more effort that you put in, the more that your enthusiasm climbed for it and the more that you realise you're like maybe this is my thing and you kind of just yeah. ran with it and went with it. And I think a lot of people who have done a similar thing and, you know, yourself included, you know that you're onto a good thing when you, you're kept awake at night thinking about it and you're like, mm. okay, I've got an idea. This would really work well. Like you just spiral. All of these ideas start spiralling in your head and it consumes you. Like the first few weeks you're just consumed by this little <laughs> business that to me and to other people who, you know, have started a little business you think it's the biggest thing in the world. Like this is the be all end all. This is your life. This is going to be on Forbes top 50 bloody businesses. But then like in hindsight, I look back and I'm like, I was a a small fish in a very big ocean. And I think I was kind of blinded thinking, oh, this is going to be a really successful business straight away. I wish I had my future self to kind of come back and be like, no, like you've got to work. Like you have to build up to becoming successful Mm. yeah like I think a lot of people can relate to like that first initial like burst of passion and energy that really gets the ball rolling Mm. which I I love that feeling and I hope I get it again with like I'm the career box is definitely my first baby but I just know that like in the future I want to branch out into bigger things as well Uh, not bigger Mm. because this will be big but other things that like I I love that little spark of like what's the word entre how do you say entrepreneur (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you never say it's it correctly. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah. I think as well, you know, the fact that you were able to you had this idea, you literally turned it around in less than twenty-four hours, forty-eight hours, and you just got it out into the world. So many people have this perception of like instant gratification where mm. they feel like, oh, I've got it up and it's gonna be, you know, really successful straight away. But actually I find that the hardest part in any business is that continuity, you know, it's like mm-hmm. being consistent, showing up, you know, and just that in itself is usually the hardest part. And it's a very cliche thing, but, you know, if you work, no, I had a really good saying, hang on, what was it? If you, <laughs> so, oh no, I've lost it. You, you sow the seed, you reap the rule, whatever that saying is. But anyway, I've gone off on a tangent. Back to you. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's also like, you know, a lot of people also, do you feel that a lot of people get stuck in this, they're a little scared or they're a little fearful of getting their idea out into the world? So they get stuck in this place of limbo where they don't take that next step. But actually sometimes it's just go out there, go do it and see what happens and, you know, you'll figure it out. Yes, and there's there's two things to that. First one is fear. People fear, like it's fear of being judged that it's not, like if it doesn't work out, then people are going to point the finger and laugh at you and be like, yeah, why did you even bother? So I think a lot of people are really hesitant to kind of go with a big idea or a great idea or even a small idea because they think like uh, the fear of, it's sort of like fear of rejection, but it's fear of like failure, I think is a better term. So a lot of people just won't go ahead with an idea and there'd be so many fantastic amazing brilliant ideas out there that Mm. people just need to harvest and not worry about that fear of failure and I think another big thing that might impact you know small business owners or people who have an idea is 
just comparison. Like I remember when mm. I first started and I was looking at other resume writing businesses and I was like, oh my God, their websites look so good. They've got so many reviews and I had like the most Betty basic website. Oh, it was so gross. I'm still, I'm triggered from it. <laughs> and then I was always like the first, I reckon the first, I have spent about a week just comparing all of the other businesses and looking at it. And obviously you need to do, like you need to look at your competitors because you need to look at it from a, you know, pricing point. Are you priced competitively? Are you offering services? What's, you know, my USP has to be better than everybody else. So I was spending a lot of time doing research and just, I remember a saying someone said to me years ago and it was comparison is the biggest thief of joy. And that always Mm -hmm. stayed in the back of my mind because I was like, while I'm looking at these websites and getting jealous that they've got like a hundred reviews on Google, I'm always had to remind myself, okay, you've just started out. Like you literally fresh out of the womb as a business calm down like it'll happen Mm. and you really have to challenge your mindset of you know instant gratification to this is a slow process like you will not be a conglomerate business straight away it'll take time and if you listen to like how I built this by Guy Raz Mm. podcast he's he, he interviews a lot of really successful business owners that a lot of people would just assume that they were just instantly had an amazing idea and it was like bam they are making millions but every single one of these business owners started off and it like a lot of them like you and I where they just started off with like a couple of followers a really small idea and over time it really built up and that's what I I keep in the back of my head. I'm like, the career box mm. is less than a year old. And if I'm like, I'm really proud of it. And I look at it and I'm like, I'm really happy with where it's it started and where it is now. And I just have that knowledge to know that in the future, it's going to be a big business. Like I will have mm. a team of people. I'm not going to be the administration assistant. I'm not going to be the head of marketing. I'm not going to be the receptionist anymore. I'm going to be like a business owner that is running the career box with a team of people. Mm. So I think mm. people need to realise, like you mentioned, the instant gratification, like just try and acknowledge that that is something that will not happen unless you've got that one in a million idea that is like you will get that instant gratification. But that's very rare. It's like winning lotto, isn't it? So Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like you raise an interesting point as well. You know, I think comparison is the thief of joy and there actually is a community for everybody. So are you going to sit there and compare or are you, you know, if you've got this brilliant idea, like find the people that are doing it, like learn from them, you know, yeah. and, and then go out there and kind of explore your own idea. So, yeah, I think I think you're onto something really amazing and, you know, the whole concept of career in itself has kind of been turned on its head, right? Like particularly yes. with our Auntie Rona and the impact <laughs> that this has had on our community and yeah. people and the workforce, like a lot has happened. Yeah. And it's definitely our community. Well, the travel community and like retail hospitality, they were the, the communities that were impacted the most and coming from the travel industry and seeing firsthand how people's lives have literally been turned upside down and when it first happened I don't know if you remember like just seeing the sheer panic on like LinkedIn and social media of people who were made redundant and they had that open to work uh, profile image sticker and everyone posting saying like I've been made redundant if anybody has of any jobs please let me know like that I just I felt that fear and that it was, I don't want to say it's desperation because it's like, 
I don't want to make it sound like people were desperate. I think it was like more of people were trying to survive in the unknown and it was a really awful, scary time. So, yeah, I think I don't even know what we're talking about before, but I just went on a roll about the LinkedIn and I can't even remember the question. <laughs> yeah, no, we, were, we were kind of talking about like the impact of, you know, the pandemic and oh, how yes. this has shifted the global workforce and how we look at work. So I think yeah. you're right. Like a lot of people just had to survive. Like, mm-hmm. you know, lost their jobs, people worried about their mental, physical well-being. So I think as well people are realising like there's more to work than the current environments they're in as well. So they're For kind sure. of seeking more, you know, meaningful work and experiences. Yeah. So I think there's been a lot of reflection, I guess. Mm-hmm. What would you say, like, in terms of, like, the impact it's had on the workforce, how does, you know, how does kind of career box come in and help people on this journey of, you know, rethinking their career pathways and mm. helping them land their dream jobs per se? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, when I started I was, at the career box, it was literally just writing resumes, mm-hmm. just helping people with it. Like writing a resume sucks. Like it sucks for the person writing it. And <laughs> when you're trying to kind of write into two pages how amazing you are as a person, as a an employee, it's impossible to kind of portray that information on that piece of paper. So there's been a huge shift, I think, in the last from last year to this year in regards to people's careers. And last year it was very much panic and I need to get a job, I need to get a job. My mm. resume, like I just need to have the bare minimum just to get through recruitment. And now there's this huge thing called like the great resignation coming through where people can be a bit more picky with what they want to do. And people mm. are starting to wake up to realize, well, actually, like I'm good at what I do. My company's not paying me enough. I'm not getting treated right. And if that resonates with you, now is the time to capitalize on the market and get out and do something that you would actually enjoy. And I think the one thing that I always, always talk to my clients about is like, are you happy? Is this what you want to be doing for the rest of your life? Like, is this the role for you? Like, is this your passion? And I think a lot of people lose passion when you start a career and you just go on the trajectory of like you start a job and then you stay in that role and then you progress and it's just the standard, very generic way of doing it. Mm -hmm. And I want people to, you know, when they come to me, I don't want to just write them a resume. I want them to experience, like I want them to realize like how great they actually are. Like look at your Mm -hmm. skills, look at all of your achievements. And people are very modest, I think, in regards Mm -hmm. to their achievements. And I that's one of the, the first things that I go through with people is, you know, write down a list of your your career achievements. I don't care how big or small it is. I'll make it sound like amazing. I'll make you sound and look amazing on a piece of paper because if you're just writing like a generic document, like team player, strong communication skills, that's shit. No, but like be different. Yeah. Like, use your skills as leverage as to why they should hire you. What value are you going to provide this company to help them solve their problem that's the Mm. overall question that or the overall issue that any company that's hiring somebody there's a problem that needs to be solved so Mm. you need to come to them with a list like a a snapshot of how you can provide value and solve their problem so yeah i think when people come to the career box i really want them to be empowered i don't want them to like second guess their skills and their achievements and you know what they can bring to a company cuz i 
people come to me and not all of my clients, but a lot of my clients come to me as at the last minute as a last resort. They'll, mm-hmm. you know, they've tried to apply for roles. They're getting rejected hundreds of hundreds is an exaggeration, but you know, 20 to 30 times. Could yeah. be Who knows? But people are defeated and they come to me and it's like, I want the experience to be for someone to come to the career box and come to me with open arms and I will embrace you and I will help you and I will guide you into your next career step. I don't want it to ever feel transactional. I want people to work with me together to kind of write your resume and your cover letter. And more so now it's a lot of, I'm doing a lot of career coaching and interview coaching because interviews are also very awful if, you know you've done an interview before <laughs> you get that dry cotton mouth and if you can't think of an answer you panic and just kind of preparing people for that and coaching them and one of my favorite things is when the best thing about this the career box one of the main reason I do it is because when people are successful in getting an interview and even getting a job and then coming back to me and saying thank you so much you really helped I'm like oh okay thanks that's good I'm glad I helped you like that's really kind of the main reason I do it. Like our careers are such an important part of, you know, our lives. So I think it's, yeah, what you're doing is incredible. And it's, you know, you're, it's also telling people that they're not alone on this journey because the whole process in itself from finding your dream job, curating a resume that fits to that, building out your story, prepping your interview, like that is a lot of mental energy it's just a lot of energy you know yeah and then when you get rejected that is that is like the the straw that breaks the camel's back like you put in all this effort and then a company to turn around and give you that automated rejection email oh I've been there been there done that got the t-shirt it is awful like (laughs) it's job hunting is a full-time job in itself and Mm. like a lot of people they would be hesitant to get a resume written because one, they don't want to spend the money. And I get it. People who don't have a job, you know, having these extra expenses is something that you don't really want to spend money on. But I just, I always think of it as an investment. Like I explained to people, like if you you spend a bit of money now, you're going to get a job quicker. Like you will get more interviews. Like every single one of my clients that I know of, like, and I, I, keep in contact with the majority of them have received mm. interviews pretty quickly because mm. their resumes are tailored specific very bespoke like I keep mentioning there's nothing worse than a generic resume with like keywords like team player or whatnot yeah. so yeah it's it's like your, your brand you've got to put your brand on a piece of paper which is it's hard but I'm good at it so call me <laughs> <laughs> So I, yeah, a few points there. So obviously at the personhood, we work with a lot of creators and particularly young creators as well. And, you know, they've been hit really, really hard with more younger creators suffering from, you know, youth unemployment. Mm -hmm. In Australia, they're 2.5 times more likely to be unemployed compared to adults. And particularly Gen Z are now officially the youngest members of the workforce. And they're really just beginning. It is. It is. (laughs) They represent represent 32% of the population now. So... And they're very technologically savvy. They're creators, innovators, entrepreneurs. 
But I guess, you know, one thing that is quite obvious is that they are struggling to find these jobs, you know, coming out of university, coming out of schools. So how do you, as a young creator, how do you actually, you know, stand out? Like what do you need to, you know, what skills do you need to develop? What do you need to consider when you're developing your first kind of resume? Yeah, it's such a great point. I mean, it's sad, the stat you gave before, that is scary. And Gen Z, 30% of the population, like they are the ones that are full of all these amazing ideas that can advance us as a society. So if you look at, I don't want to get political, but if we look at all those old white religious men in head office who are making the rules and, you know, then you've got all these fresh, wild-eyed people who've come out of university, they're full of vigour and They've got all these amazing skills that they can offer, but they're not getting jobs. It's one of my biggest tips is to be able to quantify your successes. And so it might be hard. I mean, as a creator, like, for example, if you're a designer, it might be hard to quantify how successful, you know, what a designers do, like how successful a design is. You know, you need to be able to sit down and write out. My advice is to sit down and write out a list of all the things that make you, you. So what can you bring to a company? What are you good at? What do you excel at? What do your friends say that you're good at? Like start brainstorming and put it all on a a mind map and you'll start to see what skills you can excel at. And then you use them. You, You highlight these skills on your resume and on your cover letter. And for creators, a boring two-page resume probably won't cut it. You probably need something a little more eye-catching. The resumes that I used to write for myself, I used to make the most obnoxious resumes that would always get me an interview like I would have these bright colorful beautiful monstrosities that I'd make in like Adobe which I never knew how to use but I'd somehow manage it but it's not just about that it's I would also network and I would also try and do something that would make me memorable so that could be anything from and this works like this is one of the biggest things that a lot of people don't do that works really well is if there's a job advertisement through a company and they've got a contact name and number on there, then call that person up and say, hi, my name is Greg Lawson. I've just seen this job advertised through whatever. I just wanted to double check. Do you prefer to have the resume in Word or PDF? Because I'm about to mm. And so that person will remember that name. They might not, you know, not all the time, but majority of the time you'll say, you'll say your name, they'll get that resume through and they'll be like, oh yeah, I spoke to this person on the phone. And it works really well. I had a client who she got a job offer very last minute because she was one of 350 people, the only person to call up and ask a question. Wow. So think of a question that you can't find on Google, something related to the role that you're applying for and contact the company. And if there's no no recruiting, no person, no name, just call up and ask who to speak to. Like it a phone call makes such a massive difference. Mm. Um, so that's one of the biggest tips is to get your name out there. Use LinkedIn. LinkedIn's probably more for, you know, blue and white collar industries, but I don't know if designers, you know, are prominent on LinkedIn, but there are other places like Dribble. Have you heard of you probably use Dribble? Yes, yeah, it's I've a heard of Dribble. Great resource. <laughs> like I get a lot of my design inspiration through Dribble. And that's a platform where you can put your res- like your digital design resume on as well. But I always say, like, stand out from the crowd. Do something 
like mm. obnoxious what's the worst thing that could happen and when i say obnoxious i don't mean like rude obnoxious i mean something like make a like a little cookie package with your resume wrapped up in it like call up reach out to them on linkedin ask them a question it makes such a massive difference. And in regards to your other point about transferable skills, like for people who come out of university or TAPE or whichever institution, there are a lot of skills that you can bring from these places. So school in particular, like raise your hand if you've ever been victimized by a group project before. I have, and they are oh, yeah. horrible. <laughs> they, oh my God, I hate them so much. But to all the people that I've done a group project with, it's not you. It's me. No, I'm kidding. It's definitely them. (laughs) So the skills that you can take away from that, communication skills are probably first and foremost the most important skills to have. So if you're working for a company and you're able to communicate effectively, that's going to benefit you well. So you need to come up with examples. So you need to describe examples of how you have communicated in the past and what the outcome was. Like what was the result? You know, don't just talk about every time you've communicated. Talk about a specific example of how you communicated to a team of five people on a project to get a deadline, whatever, you met the deadline. As a result, we got a HD, something like that. So communication and teamwork are massive. So Mm. really leverage off those. Time management, I think, is another big one as well, especially for creative people who, you know, work to briefs. If you're working on a project and you're contracted or whatever and you're on a deadline, if you're able to prove that you have really good time management skills, then put that on your resume, put it on your cover letter. Like it will benefit you. It just shows that you're good at what you do and you're efficient, so to speak. But you don't want to put on a resume or a cover letter or however you're communicating with a potential employer, good time management skills, like, and full stop. That is so boring. Like you join the queue, you basically, (laughs) you want to have something exciting. So For everyone, I always say use the star format when you're describing Mm. examples. And that's just going through the situation, the task, the action, and the result. Go on Google, have a look at star format and find examples and they will help you write up the examples if you don't want to use a resume writer. So if you're wanting to write your own resume, give it a crack. There are so many resources out there that you can use. But if you follow the career box on social medias, I always post little inspirational and helpful tips. So just... Little plug there (laughs) at the career box. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think you've raised some really interesting points, particularly like how to stand out, you know, so being able to kind of communicate your value, using the STAR method to really talk about like what problems have you solved and show them different ways of thinking as well. Mm -hmm. I think also like, you know, building off your area of expertise is like, There's potentially space as well for young creators, particularly because so many creators are, you know, creative founders starting their own side hustles is like using that almost as your, as your passion project. If you want to get into, you know, the fashion industry, like maybe you start up a little side hustle, which speaks to that, you know, and you, and you just start something and then you've presented this almost business case study or the company can kind of see that you know really helping you kind of stand out from Mm -hmm. from the pack right yeah and a good point because I think volunteering Mm -hmm. is something that a lot of people don't do and I highly highly recommend volunteering and that could be anything from going down to your 
local bowls company and saying, do you need me to run your social media for a few months? Like I can come up with some posts for you, like something small like that and just mm. getting your foot in the door. So like as a, you know, as the example you mentioned before, like fashion designer, you know, there's always fashion events. You could call up or contact or connect with people and say, hey, I, can I help out on the day? Like I don't want to be, I don't have to be paid, but if you are paying, let me know, hit me up, here's my bank details. But if it's a volunteer position, you could do anything from like ushering to, I don't know, what happens at a fashion event? Like putting clothes on people, hair. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I've never been Modeling. to a fashion event, but yeah, mo- get up on that catwalk and strut, <laughs> like volunteer. <laughs> but there's so, like volunteering is any industry that you want to work in, there are volunteering options. And I like, vol- I do volunteering myself because I'm studying psychology. I decided I need to get firsthand experience if down mm-hmm. the track I'm going to be, you know, if I want to be a valuable psychologist, I'm going to need to have that experience where I have worked, you know, one-on-one with people. Obviously, I don't do psychology to people that maybe because I'm not qualified, but I'll, I do mentoring at primary schools. And mm-hmm. it's really, oh, like, it's so nice. It's I love it. The kids are great. Like we just kick the footy around, you know, that sort of fun stuff. But that is going to benefit me in the future because, you know, it's, it sounds selfish to say I'm doing it for the for me, but it's a two-way street. Like these kids are benefiting from me coming in and mentoring, but I'm getting volunteer experience. And down the track when I'm applying for, you know, master's programs or psychology roles, I'm going to have a resume full of all these experiences that you, you know, you don't, you're not going to get at school. Like you have to go out there and put your hand up and say, hey, I'm, I'm happy to work a couple of hours a week free. Like what are you, what can you give up in time that's going to benefit you? So do something that's going to help in regards to volunteering. Mm. No, I think, you know, volunteering, interning, mentoring are really important ingredients, particularly as a young creator. I think getting that first-hand experience and being in, you know, these scenarios where you're actually learning from someone who is potentially already in that industry, studying in it, like that could really, and it's also, you know, it ladders up to what we discussed around networking. It's all about networking, you know. Sometimes it's it's not what you know, it's who you know. Oh, for sure. And it's sad that that's the reality like a lot of people miss yeah. out on jobs because it's like your mates getting you're going to get that role like it's very much who you know yeah exactly and it's like I think the the power of social media nowadays as well is that and you know LinkedIn Instagram Facebook groups is that you can actually connect with a lot of people you might not have been able to connect to god knows how many years ago and it's important to make these connections and understand, like, where do you see yourself and really, like, you know, build a life, not just a resume. And if you yeah. can reverse engineer that and, and you know, we don't all know what we want to do, but if you can start to play around with, like, what are, what are you interested in? Like, what are you passionate about? Like, and start. I love you know, your comment about build a life, not a resume. I'm like, I'm going to take that hashtag <laughs> and roll with it. <laughs> no, I, I believe it's come from Jay Shetty, so don't oh. quote me on that. But Sorry. it's always okay. it's always stuck with me because I'm yeah. like, that is so true. Like that is how so we did should. Did you, you did you intern when you were starting out? I did not intern actually. I so before I straight after university, I had completed a marketing degree. Yeah, and yeah. I tried really, really hard to get a job. 
and I just kept getting knocked back. And this was like in 2013. So just like knocked back. And I was like, you know what? Screw this. I've got some money saved up. I'm going to go traveling. Yeah. And I booked a one-way. Yeah, great decision. But like, you know, I acted on this passion, which was travel. So I went traveling and probably eight months after traveling, I was like, whoa, I really love like writing and, you know, sharing stories, interviewing people. So I just literally started a, no, actually I started a travel company, an unofficial tour group (laughs) where I took people around Bali for like $10 a head. Oh, wow. Travel, yeah. But that led, that that was obviously a fail. I literally like ran out of money, had $30 to my name and I turned that into a travel blog. So... Yeah, I was living I was literally living in my uncle's living room in Jakarta, like writing tra- like all these stories around travel. And a job came up at Kentucky and it was like I don't know, just you know those moments where it just feels like I should go for it, feels right. Yeah. yeah. And the blog was kind of taking off. We I had just gotten picked up by Southeast Asia Backpacker magazine for like a story oh, wow. that I written about my grandpa and me traveling. It was just this weird, you know, period where these dots were just connecting and just acting on your passion is like opening these new doors that you could never have imagined. For sure. And it's Um, intuition, isn't it? You need to follow that intuition where you think, like you going traveling, that is probably the best advice to give to people is get out there and explore the world because everything will start falling into place shortly after mm. like you'll, you'll really discover who you are and what your passions are so yeah i love i traveling is it changes people but this is not a travel podcast so let's get back to the career <laughs> <laughs> so how how did you so obviously with the career box where did you reach that point where you know, it was, it was this idea and it all of a sudden became something that you could monetize yeah, and um, grow as a service. Like what was that point? I think I've always had that sort of entrepreneurial mindset where I've always thought about these small little businesses that I thought I can definitely make money out of this. Like, But then going back to when we first started chatting is the fear of rejection and the, you know, the comparison being the thief of joy. I would never go ahead with anything like I would have I'd build all these amazing little websites I'd make these little brands and whatnot and have all these great ideas and never took the plunge but I think I had the luxury of time and a redundancy payout thank you ex-employee so I wasn't pressured and I could like let this naturally Mm -hmm. naturally grow into something but I think back to your point about when I thought I could monetize this when I got my first dollar bill I was like boom I'm rich (laughs) (laughs) People are paying me to do this. What the hell? This is so great. So I, you know, started getting, started making an income from it. And I was like, this is brilliant. Like, I'm really happy that I can do something that I actually like writing resumes. And I like doing that side of things and researching the industry. So I get to sit in my little office here and spend time like on the computer, like a detective going through and looking at all these different roles. And I enjoyed that. And I was like, oh, you know, people are paying me money to do this. This is great. And I thought like, 
to be honest, at the start, I was like, this is going to be a little side hustle to get me through university. Like, I don't want to um, have to get like a desk job or a job yeah. that I'm working for another person because nobody got rich working for another man. And that's what motivates me every day. <laughs> like, I don't ever want to work for another big company again. So, yeah, I realized, okay, this is more than just a little side hustle. Like, I, I can make a business out of this. And there's so many things that I can, I pictured at the start that, to happen like I started manifesting and I was like this I can make into a brand I can branch out mm-hmm. to this I can do this and you know when you just have a million ideas running through your head and it consumed me and it was like I was trying to do uni at the same time and I also do disability support work on the side as well as volunteering so I was juggling all of these different things but the career box was always the one that rose to the top and I was like I've got to keep my foot on the pedal. Like I need to keep the momentum going because I want this to grow into something big and it's not going to be straight away. It's going to be a slow process. You know, I'll get onto Google page one and, you know, in my head, I'm like maybe three years time I'll be on number one. So yeah. yeah, And that's where I'm like, okay, this is a business. This is a something that I can make a living out of. And I often think, I don't know. I don't know if other business owners have this feeling where you just have that little that doubt in your head where you're like, is this business legitimate? Imposter syndrome, that's what it is, mm-hmm. where you're like, am I an actual business? Like, Then I have to turn around and be like, no, Greg, you're a CEO. You're a no. business owner. Like, You have created this and you're helping people and people are coming to you. Well, people are coming to me because word of mouth, a lot of people, a lot of my clients are word of mouth and this is what I wanted. I wanted people to talk about their experience with me to other people so that they come to use my services and have that experience with me. So I don't know. I just really love the (laughs) the career box. It's my little baby that's going to grow into a big baby. Hey, peeps. If you're still here, we bloody appreciate you. Did you know we offer one-on-one creator mentorship fun brand clarity, social media and content workshops, career coaching and digital products, including some freebies. Head over to www.thepersonate.com to learn more and don't forget to check out all the links and resource in the show notes. I think it's such an amazing, you know, business model and community that you've got. And I think it's Oh my gosh, I've just lost my train of thought. That's um, fine. But yeah. on business model, I think this is the one thing that I do not have is a business model. Like, I don't know if you're the same way. You, you're probably a bit more prepared than me, but I am a live in the moment type of guy where I'm like, I'll figure it all out as I go along. And my advice is get a business model, like have a plan. Yeah. Because I did not have a strategy to begin with. But I mean, like you've got, you know, you're selling a service. So essentially that is the model for right now, but, you know, yep. it could it could change and the way to grow, you know, that's kind of it's for you to kind of flesh out yes. further. Yeah, I think it's really incredible how you've been able to monetize something that you're passionate about, that you turned into a business mm. that kind of snowballed, you yeah. know, it's led you on this like bigger journey. I listened to something recently, but they were saying that, it's a sign when we literally like cannot stop thinking about what it is we're doing. We feel this like energy, creativity. You just feel like you're in your flow. Yes. Like that is a sign. That is oh. a sign you're actually on the right path. That but you're on the flip to- side of that, that feeling, that flow, that passion and thinking about it, 
there's the what's that word creative block as well I don't know if you've ever had that (laughs) you probably have but it stumps me sometimes I I went Mm. two months without posting in the middle of the Mm. year one because I was getting smashed at university trying to keep my head above water but two I was like I can't think of anything good to post like nothing's coming to my head and I want all of my posts to be really uniquely me and on my brand and I just thought I can't, if I can't do it justice, I'm not going to post anything. But that to me was, it felt like I was taking my foot off the pedal. And when you're out of sight, you're out of mind. So this is a thing when going back to talking about, a, you know, the business plan and a strategy, having one in place and having a content strategy, get one. Have, that's my advice to people is get a, have a content strategy because mm-hmm. it will help you, especially when you're feeling that creative block. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that was going to be my next question is like, how did you push through that creative block? Like, do you yeah. do you have certain systems in place on your end to re-inspire you? Like, what what happened there? Honestly, like I said, I live in the moment, and if I think of an idea, and I don't, I don't feel like it's going to do justice for my brand. I'm like, I'm not going to post that. Like, I want everything mm. to be really me. And I think when I just going back to when I first started the career box, I was posting really generic, like corporate posts because I was looking at other companies. I'm like, what's working for them? And it was boring. Like it wasn't that exciting. And then I spoke to Leah McGrath from the virtual biz. Do you remember Leah from Kentucky? Yes. Yeah. So I had a chat with her and she, her advice was so good. She was like, be yourself, like put, inject your personality into your brand. And so that's when I went and engaged with a designer, Melissa Gow. She's a local Perth designer. She's fantastic. She Mm -hmm. did my branding. Like I sat down with her and was like, I want it to be colorful. I want it to be bright. I want it to be something that people, my brief to her was, I want people to feel like they have just walked out of a Beyonce concert after they've had their experience with me. So she used that and having all of these things put together, we started working. When you've got a like a logo and like brand colors, that's when I start, I was getting creative with my posts. I'm like, okay, so I can post this. And then, like I said, I had the creative block. And that was probably because of other circumstances with like uni and work and volunteering and just kind of it all piled on. But I go to a place when I'm posting now, I'm like, what would I find engaging or funny mm. or interesting? And Another piece of advice that Leah gave me was there should be three types of posts which are engaging, exciting, and educational. So I'm kind of trying to use them. But then you posted something the other week, the periodic table of content, I think was what it was called. And I was like, I love that. That is really in-depth. And then I was like, okay, I need more help. So this is when I reached out to you and was like, help me. So (laughs) watch this space. Everybody, I'm going to be working with that and she's going to help me grow my business. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's really, it's exciting. And, you know, creative block is a normal part of the journey as well. And I think perfection is a myth. You would rather progress over having something perfect and it's okay to take a rest. Like even before the personhood, I had, you know, my personal brand and kind of marketing consultancy and similar creative block for months. I just wasn't inspired to post mm-hmm. like it just, and sometimes what you need to do is just relax, ease into it. And then almost like, not shock your system, but, you know, look at it from a different way. Reframe a problem. Like Mm -hmm. look at other people in the industry and you need to find what I feel really works as well is you need to put these inspiration systems. So like 
surround yourself with the right people. Yeah. You know, listening to a curated podcast where you get inspired again, having those books that you go to that you pick up and you read again, because all of this helps shift your thinking and I think the the point about the surround yourself with the people, that's the biggest thing that works really well for me. Like if I'm surrounded by people who are inspiring and engaging and motivated and, you know, small business owners, I've got a couple of friends who over in Perth where I'm based, the West Coast, not the best mm-hmm. coast at the moment, open up the borders, please. But I spend time with them. I talk to them if I've got a question or a query or like I'm, you know, not feeling something, I'll reach out to these people. Networking and having that support group is massive. And there's a Facebook group I'm a part of, which is like a private resume writers of Australia group. And there's lovely, lovely ladies who are just so supportive. Like if I feel like I can ask them anything, people post all the time, like use resources, use your network. Like that's so helpful. Mm. But at the same time, don't copy, like don't, imitate people you want to it's your brand you need to put you into it which is what I'm striving for and I feel like I'm getting there with the career box like when I post now I'm like you know I tell a personal story I find that works really well like I'll talk about one of my first clients who to this day I get my blood boils but he this man is what motivates me to be good at my job he gave me this nine page resume and he was like Oh my God, so full of himself. Yeah, yeah. I was like, all right, I can do this. One of my other top tips for people is get a deposit from your clients. Do not do work without Munty Hunty. Like, you need to. (laughs) I struggled so hard at the beginning. I felt really, really awkward asking people for money and deposits. Like, I was so, I don't know why I was so scared, but. Anyway, I didn't get a deposit off this man and I gave him his first draft resume or last draft resume. It was beautiful and he ghosted me and that stuck with me ever since. I was like, he's just a bad person, but that motivates me to really kind of cement my approach to like business and money because it's like money talk can be really icky like when it, Mm. it can really taint the experience. So you've got to set up those expectations at the start with like a quote. That was one of the big things that I was missing out on at the start is like an actual quote document with what the deposit is, what the payment terms are. Like these are the sort of things that when you first start out as a business, you don't think of. And I'm sure there are resources that are out there that like have a checklist, but I didn't think to look for them. So I like got burnt a couple of times and mm-hmm. to get deposits. Otherwise you'll get bloody <laughs> gypped like I did. <laughs> That's a really good point because, you know, I think money is like, it's a mindset shift. We need to like measure the time that we're putting into this work. And I think that comes with growing and building your business. You start to understand, okay, this certain service takes this amount of time. Yeah. What is my value for an hour? And then you also have like so many other layers, like the meetings beforehand, the expenses that you cover, the tools that you use, the super that you need to put in, the tax. So, super tax, (laughs) Mr. Taxman, don't listen to this, but I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) I've got a great accountant. Oh, Um, yeah. (laughs) It is a process, particularly with costing things up and like charging your worth. It is a test and learn. And you know what's really demotivating? Well, not demotivating, but sometimes it probably happens to a lot of small business owners. Your friends and family expect free 
services. So I put your foot down early on and don't do free jobs for people because yeah, I can't. I don't know. Have you have you ever had anyone come to you and say, "Please help me. I'm not paying you though." <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Or like people who, you know, I want to pick your brain. Yes, which yeah. is fine, but it's also I think there's. Yeah, there's different layers of it for sure. Uh-huh, 100%. And I have, like, I'm really generous with friends and family in regards to advice and, like, resumes and whatnot. If they need a quick resume, I'm happy to do it. Like, I don't want to bag yeah. anyone out. But I think you've got to really set boundaries early yeah. on. That's, like, get a deposit and set boundaries. If I could have that tatted onto me, I would. Like, it is so <laughs> important to really... When you first start out, you don't, you've got that imposter syndrome. So you don't feel confident. You're like, I don't, mm. I don't feel like a real business. Like I'm a one man show or one woman show, one day show. Like I don't feel like I'm legitimate. But if you've got an ABN and you're doing a service, you're legitimate. You're a business. Like you're providing a service. Yeah. So know your value and know your worth and really just set yourself up for that sort of success in regards to. The boundaries and having people value your time so don't give away yeah. free shit i think it's fine to you know there's like for example at the beginning of the personhood we took on some you know we worked with creators for free because yeah. you know we really wanted to build the right product and service yeah. so there's a value exchange you know they're oh, giving sure. us constructive feedback they're telling us you know what running the program with us so I think there is definitely different layers of it another way is like for example discovery calls right you probably have heard of this in the industry yeah again it's an exchange of time right but it's like instead of one hour discovery calls do you take it back to 30 minutes or even 15 I've got an initial consultation call. I was going to call it a discovery call because I thought that's the industry term. But I was like, no, Greg, be different. And I was like, initial <laughs> consultation is so formal. I don't know why. It says 15 minutes. They're never 15 minutes. They always go oh, a lot. I love to chat. I love to talk. Mm. Like when I'm talking to somebody, I don't want there to be – I don't want them to be thinking, oh, it's only 15 minutes, so I'm going to update that. But the discovery call, it's so great to, like, really kind of meet your client, discover what they're looking for, talk about what you can provide and take them on that journey. And it sounds Mm -hmm. so cliche, but you're taking them on a journey, You're especially for people who come to me, they're in a bit of a a position where they, they need to do something different for their livelihood. Like if they haven't got a job and they're applying and, they're not successful with these applications, it's still die. They need to have that service. Well, they don't need to, but it's good to have, especially in that time. But the discovery call, every business owner, whatever service you provide, do them. They are so good. Puts a face to the the brand as well. Yeah, so exactly. anyway. But going back to the free stuff and like doing free work, I agree with you in regards to that transaction where you're getting something in return in regards to feedback. I've done it before. Like I've done resumes and I've said like, give me a Google review at least. And most people do, which is great. But yeah, Mm. like if people expect free stuff, that's where you draw the line. Yeah. But it's also like, you know, it's your learning phase. You're learning from it too. You get to inject it back into your business. So really, and you're helping someone at the end of the day as well. So yeah. I sound like a Grinch, don't I? I'm like, don't do free work. But in the back, I'm like, actually, I do a lot of free work for people because I'm like, if people are in a really dire situation and they need help, I'm not going to be like, no, like I help. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm not a monster, Nat. <laughs> no, I know, I know you're not. I know you're not. So I want to talk a little bit about, because we kind of touched up on this a little bit, but, you know, we spoke around certain organizations where people can lean into to help them find jobs. And I know I recently saw a post that you did around ethical jobs. Yeah. Yeah, tell me more about these kind of organizations, creators or anyone can kind of turn into. Yeah, so ethical jobs I came across from a friend who works in that not-for-profit industry and I was asking her about because I had another client who was interested in that field of work and I was like, how did you get your job? Like I did my research. Like I did a little fact-finding mission and she was like, ethical jobs is a great resource and there are so many jobs on there and working for not-for-profit and charities is a rewarding industry. And, yeah. you know, you've got your, your like, the Seek and the Indeeds and all the other large recruitment job advertisement websites, which they're great for certain industries and certain jobs. But if you want to get a role in a completely different industry, like if you're looking at a career change, for example, so if you've gone from the travel industry to wanting to go work for not-for-profits and charities, there's so many transferable skills that you can bring into these industries that you can hit the ground running, basically. So there's so many different roles. And I always think like, think outside the box, the career box when it comes to looking for roles. Like Seek is great. LinkedIn is probably a little bit better because you're able to like connect with recruiters. But again, I think LinkedIn is like, I don't know, I find it so fake. The shit people write on their like LinkedIn posts about like, I've just finished up after 15 beautiful long service years with this gorgeous company <laughs> when behind closed doors are like, I had the worst 15 years of my life. Like that was shit. Anyway, going off on a tangent, but that's LinkedIn for you. But these are the sort of places that people normally go to, but they're the ethicaljobs.com.au. It's a great read. There's like 33,000 jobs each year that they're mm. posting. And these are industries where people are needed, like mental health. It's massive. Like the, the demand for mental health workers is huge. So, you know, I'm studying psychology. So I learned all about this and you realize that a lot of people out there are looking for these services, which is why there is a huge supply of these roles that are being advertised. So if you are interested in, you know, having a career change, definitely look down that avenue because it is rewarding for sure. Like seek is great, but yeah, look elsewhere if you can. And word of mouth as well. Like speak to people. Like we, we go back to talking about networking and reaching out to people. Mm. People are scared to reach out to people online, but like put yourself in their shoes. If somebody reached out to you, I don't know, I find that really flattering. I'd be like, wow, they value what I have to offer. They've come to me. So I think that, you know, it's a flattering thing to have someone to reach out to. So don't be afraid to do it. Like if you've got a question, if you want to, find out how to get your foot in the door in a certain industry, find somebody on LinkedIn, type in a role that you're wanting to kind of do in the future and it'll come up with a list of people and you can just click one and like just message mm. it. You never know what what doors it could open. Like it's put yourself out there. Yeah, no, you've raised some really interesting points, particularly like around this whole career change like even you and I, like we've changed careers a lot. Like yeah, we're chameleons. Industries, we're chameleons. Yeah, and I think you have to enter this mindset of like just your growth mindset. And you know what you said around like psychology and your mental well being. I think it all connects to, you know, I think you need to add to that when you are pivoting careers or you're shifting, you know, your environments. Do you have any kind of tips on? 
for people who are kind of changing careers or pivoting, how do you tap into that mindset? Like, what yeah. do you, what um, do you do? When I first started, if I spoke to someone and they said I didn't like my job, I'd always be like, quit, just quit, like take a risk. <laughs> like I was really like, live in the moment. I mean, if it was a, you know, if money was no object, I always said to people, just get out of it, put your happiness first, and you might go through a few months of struggle, but think of the rewards at the end. But now that I've done a bit more training in psychology, I'm like, no, because that could spiral out of control. Like you could yeah. not have a job. You might not have an income, which will add on to the stresses of you finding a job and having all these rejections come through. So that's the old Greg's advice. The new Greg's advice, if you're pivoting, you've got to really set yourself up for this is going to be almost like a full-time job looking for a new role. So mentally prepare yourself for writing an application so never send out uh, like one resume to every single job. Every resume that you have you send out, you have to curate it a little bit. Like you have to tailor mm. it and your cover letter as well. And this is something that, you know, I provide a template for people with a resume and a cover letter. So it'll be like a master document. And then the final product is something that they're able to take away and say, right, I've got this example that I can use for this role. I'll put that into my cover letter. You know, I'll update this part to say why I want to work for that specific company. These are the skills. This is the examples that are related to this specific job. So if you tailor your documents, it will show the person reading that document that you have put in a little bit of effort. It's so obvious if you're just sending out a generic resume to every single role. Yeah. It's so <laughs> obvious. So don't do it. Spend the time investing into that application and you're more likely to get a callback. But then if you're like pivoting industries, it's networking. It is getting your foot in the door and starting off. And if you're in a position where you can start off at a lower, like an entry level role, I always suggest do that unless you have got like the skill set that you're able to start at a another role. Like if you're, you know, for example, if you come from a marketing position in a you know, giant corporation, you know, a profitable industry, but you're going into a not-for-profit industry, you know, don't apply for like entry-level data, you know, a data administration job, for example. Mm. Apply for something that you're able to do, but mm. use your transferable skills. So you want to quantify all of your past achievements. So have a little document on the go at all times, like have it saved away in a folder. So anytime you receive like a uh, recognition, if you receive a company award, if you see, receive positive feedback from a client, save this away because it will be so valuable when you are writing out or coming up with examples of how mm. you excelled in your role. Because a lot of people get stumped when I say to them, you know, the first thing I'll say is like, what's the biggest achievement in your career? People are like, oh, yeah, I haven't thought about <laughs> this. Like, it's really, really hard to come up with these things on the spot. And also, if you can't Think of an answer when with me, if you're in an interview, how do you think you'll go if you're unable to answer questions that yeah. to explain how you, you know, what sort of value you can add. So have a list, have a document ready and saved of anything you can think of, no matter how big or small, save it away, like write it down, have a diary almost. So yeah, yeah. that's what I would suggest if you're going to pivot careers. That's honestly, that's really, really strong advice because I think you're right. Like people get so busy and they forget to just take note of what they've yeah. done or they've achieved and then they 
try and go back and they try and like figure out, oh, what campaign did I do? What yeah. results did I get? And they've just completely forgotten. And you, oh, hundred percent. And even I've forgotten all of my amazing <laughs> achievements. I'm like, what did I do last week? I can't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> Write it down. Have a dear diary. It, it will help you. Yes, yes, definitely. But yeah, like it's amazing how modest people are or how people don't think that their achievements are worth, like they're not worthy of uh, acknowledging their achievements. Like I spent a lot of time talking to people and saying like, what did you do really well in this role? Like what achievements did you have? And people are like, oh, I did, you know, this thing where I got an award. I'm like, that's massive. Like let's talk about it. Like Like, it's good to be proud of yourself. You've got two pages to sell yourself and if mm. you're not going to sell yourself to a company who's going to do it for you nobody mm. it's a dog eat dog world out there so be modest and like brag humbly about what you have achieved in your career there's nothing worse oh. than like a you know a chauvinistic pig who's got like i made this happen by this it's all like i i me 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 talk about we as a team like you want to mm. incorporate how you're a team player as well so less eyes more we's That is really strong advice. So I guess, you know, where do you see the future of work and careers and what do you, yeah, what's kind of next for the career box? Yeah, so every day is different in my head. I'm like, okay, so I'm this route this week, this route. But (laughs) like I keep talking about, I'm a live in the moment type of person, but I've really had to rein that in with the career box and like treat it like it is a business. Like I've planted a seed, I'm growing it into something bigger and better. And I keep saying like in the future, it's going to be this. So I'm kind of like doing all of the hard work and the groundwork now in regards to getting a degree in psychology because mm-hmm. I think in the future what I'd love is to be able to incorporate, you know, psychology and the career box and career coaching and development that I'd see is a big thing for the career box. But then I also mm-hmm. think like there are so many, you know, avenues I could go down, like I could go down recruitment. So, you know, similar to like ethical jobs, I could have very specific roles that I advertise on the career box where I think, you know, it's a great company. I like what they stand for. And, you know, that's something that I could do as well. There's also, I could be doing like workshops. I could be going around to universities, TAFEs, people who are in lower socioeconomic areas who need assistance Mm -hmm. with getting into the job industry because some people really struggle with like, they might not even have a computer to write a resume. So Mm -hmm. if I'm giving people the tools to grow and develop, then that itself is rewarding. But like, there are so many big things that can happen. And I have to kind of decide now, all right, what do I want to start with? And you know, what I'm starting with is getting my brand out there and like having the career box as the go-to for sort of career things and then get my degree. Then the world is my oyster, as they say. But I don't know. It's exciting. Like I just, I love that I haven't taken, I haven't stopped the career box because there's Mm. a lot of things in my life where I've started and not finished. And, you know, I started a commerce degree. (laughs) Yeah. I started a commerce degree a few years ago and I'm like, commerce, why am I doing financial accounting? This is so shit and boring and not me. But the career box is something that I am very, very passionate about. And like, Mm. it's almost a part of me now. Like people know me as Greg from the career box. Like I'm associated with it. We live together. We die together. Like it's got to be around for a long time. It's your baby. It's your baby. Yeah, I know. It is. And like, I was really, I had a moment the other night where I was kind of lying in bed and stressing about it, thinking like, it's not going to eventuate into anything. You know, you have that doubt, like every now and Mm -hmm. then that little Mrs. Doubt comes into your mind. And then I like 
Well, I got out of bed. I logged onto the computer and I looked at my website. I'm like, no, it's going to be okay. Like, it's yeah. I've got to, this will be fine. Like, I like what I've done. <laughs> One thing that I've noticed, and you know, as a small business, when you first start out, like a lot of people just. I think have a lot of doubt and you can see it in regards to when you post something, like if you post something related to your business, you'll get such minimal interaction in regards mm-hmm. to likes and engagements. And like, we are all frothing for likes in life. Like, let's be honest, but you know, the support out there is people are very quiet with the support. People from previous roles and previous industries don't come forward and like, you know, say congratulations or like, this is a really exciting thing but they'll congratulate somebody who's got a job promotion at work. Like it's really weird, the kind of support. Mm. Like your true supporters will stay, will stay with you, but like support small businesses, everybody. Like give people <laughs> a like. They can, you know, you're doing a good job because there are days when we as small business owners will sit there and think, is what I'm doing good? Like I don't know. Like mm. am I, should I, I don't know. I just, that's just a thought that came to my head where I'm like, you know, no. we're, Honestly, it's a really interesting one because I've had the very similar conversations and it's like, you know, for example, we always support new jobs. We support people getting engaged, people having babies, people buying houses. But what about people who are launching new businesses? I know. It's the biggest risk that people can take. Like having a baby is easy, isn't it? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But like starting your own business, you were taking a risk to do this. And I don't know, like, yeah, it's an interesting, like when you're on this side and I admit it, when I was not a small business owner, I didn't give much thought to Mm. other people's small businesses. Like I'd like it and whatnot, but I wouldn't actively be like, you're doing a great, like, I don't, I'm not saying I want people to reach out and be like, you're amazing at what you do. Like, I'm not, I don't know how to word this, like, just be supportive. (laughs) Like, yeah, so and it's also like, <laughs> I'll use this as an example, but I remember when I was, you know, posting a lot of business stuff on my personal account and same thing, like not that much engagement. Like, so I was like, I think this is the wrong approach. Yeah. And I think what I learned out of that is that selling or, you know, sharing your business, your services, it doesn't hit as well with friends and family. Yeah. And that is where you need to kind of make the decision, okay, I need to go find my people, find yes. my community and almost step away and completely not disconnect, but your friends and family is not your target market. Yeah, and exactly. You need to find your people and that's why I think, you know, starting the career box and almost dividing that and putting and finding your community in there. Yeah. Because yeah, our friends and family, yes, they're supportive, but I think they, you know, they're not our target market and yeah, they won't. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> they're not, they're not going to pay our bills. <laughs> no, exactly. Oh, God. It's such a grinchy thing to say, like support small businesses, but I don't know. I think a lot of people I know who have started small businesses are in the same position where they're like, you know, I post something and nobody likes it. Like, am I bad at what I do? I'm like, now, uh, like, like you just mentioned, they're not our target audience. So yeah. that's a good tip. I'm going to take that with me because now I'm going to not cry myself to sleep every night. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that around like, you know, small businesses because I think you're right and it goes back to like social media has made, you know, liking and commenting things so easy and we place so much emphasis on like that. But actually if we think about like what's the impact I want to have 
on the community? Like how can I actually help that person? I think even thinking about your strategy or business model, like that's way more important than like vanity metrics. Vanity metrics, that is the perfect terminology for that. If we think about like our actual content, like Mm -hmm. you said, when you pivoted and you put your own personality and you got, you know, all this engagement, but it's like add value to someone's life, like give them more than what they would expect and you'll actually see that that's going to be more rewarding than, you know, likes and and comments. The biggest reward is definitely your client satisfaction. So if you provide a really valuable service and, you know, if they come back to you and say, thank you, I got a job or I got an interview, that to me is, yeah. all right, that's better than any that's other, true. like, Like, metric. comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keep your likes, everybody. I'm helping people out here. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, thank you so much for your words of wisdom and insight. Thanks for having I've me. Learned- a shitload, <laughs> you know, <laughs> around like, you know, how to craft a resume, what you need to consider, like how to stand out from the crowd, mm-hmm. the power of networking, the ability to quantify your success. So I've learned a lot, as I'm sure our listeners and creators will as well. Mm-hmm. So we like to end the show by asking you some, you know, wind down a little bit, some eight quick fire questions. Okay, I'm feeling um, like I'm on one of those Vogue videos where they do the seven three yeah. questions. Do you want? Should you follow me around the house, or are we just? I would just, love yeah. to. Your house is great. <laughs> no, my dog will start barking. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would you say is your personal superpower? My personal superpower is that I'm very, like, I'm engaging, and I am able to make people feel really relaxed. Full stop. Period. <laughs> I feel that. I really feel that. I could speak to you for hours. Oh, um, good. <laughs> who is your greatest inspiration in life? Your creations can be a person or creator. My biggest inspiration in life, and like if people know me, they know that I love Beyonce. <laughs> and a lot of people bag her out. They're like, oh, she's just a big marketing machine. I'm like, look what she's done. She has gone mm. from a 15 year old girl in this little girl group to now a gigantic mega businesswoman who has just branched out into all these amazing things. She gives back to the community. She does really good things and her performances get me through life. If I'm ever feeling down, I will put on (laughs) Homecoming on Netflix and just go to a whole new world. Like she's the biggest inspiration. People think I joke about it when I talk about it, but every time I you know, listen to her or a song comes on, I still get goosebumps all over me. Like she, you know, my saying in life is what would Beyonce do? I've got her tattooed onto my arm for God's sake. Like I love her. That's amazing. (laughs) She's kind of like that person that, you know, brings you back in check and inspires you again. I love that. I've loved her for more than two thirds of my life. Like I think Mm. the first time I heard her, I was like, I think nine years old and, Ever since then, my life has never been better. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. I'm going to watch Homecoming now. Take note. What was your, yeah. <laughs> what was your first paycheck and the job you were doing versus your latest paycheck and the job you're doing? Uh, <laughs> my first job, my first legitimate job was working at Hungry Jack's and I was getting paid, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was getting paid $5.45 an hour which is pittance. Like I thought I was baller back then. I was like, I'm rich. I'm getting like $100 a week. This is amazing. But my first like 
unofficial job was when I was a kid, I was about seven years old. I lived in this small town in Western Australia called Parabadoo. It's in the middle of nowhere. Um, And there was a deli across the road and I used to do food deliveries for them for $3 a delivery. So I'd make like three to $6 a night doing that on my push bike. So yeah, that was great. But yeah, Hungry Jacks definitely was my first. Oh God, I was a bloody, one of the fastest drive-through people in Western Australia. So I just wanted to that. (laughs) <laughs> that is an achievement. <laughs> I did not muck around when it came to that drive-through. You're in, you're out. You get your food and go. I've got cars lining up. Go on, get out. Anyway, so, and then what was the last part of that question? Is my current... The latest, and the latest paycheck and the job you're doing. Okay. So you want to know my dollar value, what I got paid? No, no. You don't oh. have to. Just like, you know, what did you do oh. or like, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So I do, I get the last service I did was interview coaching. Um, for this lady, lovely lady who, you know, at the age of 50 has, she's finishing off a social worker degree and is pivoting her career and just needed help with like all of the documents and then the interview coaching. So it was that. And then also double paid this week through my disability support work, which Mm. um, I work with a guy each week who we, (laughs) we just become mates with each other. Like it's, he's so like, very rewarding work I think is if you're looking for a role that one has a good income and two is like I said rewarding and challenging at the same time disability support work is a great role to do because you can do it as an independent so you won't have a boss you do you work your own hours and you're helping people and you get to do fun things like bowling and swimming and all these sorts of yeah. yeah we so that was my other paycheck this week Wow, love that. Mm. Love to see the, you know, the growth and the progress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is your most valuable investment you've made under a thousand that benefits your personal and professional life? Uh, be time, energy, or money? It would be my non serious answer is my coffee machine that I just purchased. <laughs> like, if I live for coffee, I go to bed at night thinking about my morning coffee, I wake up and I am not a human until I have that coffee. And that I found out in my psychology degree is the purest form of addiction. So (laughs) should probably get help with that. (laughs) Like a serious answer in regards to under a thousand dollars. I think the gym, like paying for a gym membership is the biggest investment that gets me through. Like mentally, it just really sorts me out. Like if you've had a really stressful day, if you need to you know, de-stress, go to the gym and do a workout and you'll feel so invigorated. And I think during that time where I had that creative block, I wasn't going to the gym as much because of uni as well. But, you know, going back and having those natural endorphins, it's such a, a massive investment into yourself. And yeah, to me, that's like one of the, one of my top priorities that I invest in probably more than a thousand dollars though. But so go with the coffee yeah. machine. <laughs> no, that is a really good one. Yeah. What about the best book you've ever read that truly made you think differently? Oh, Cain and Abel by Jeffrey Archer is still the best book I've ever read. And I've read it multiple times. And it's just a story about these two guys that were born in very different circumstances, one in wealth and one in poverty and opposite sides of the world and how they 
you know, their circumstances, they grew, their lives intertwined at, at one point and it's just this huge, like, massive story about, you know, the biblical Cain and Abel, how they you fought to the death or whatever. I don't know, I don't read the Bible, but this is a story about, like, how they, one of them has come from poverty and they've built this huge empire and one of them has also built an empire but has come from, you know, rich. He's rich. Um, He's and rich. I just think it's an amazing oh. story about how people can overcome lots of, you know, mm, negative things in their life. Cool. And it's just such a, it's really well written. So Kate and mm. Abel by Jeffrey Archer, highly recommend it. Okay, mm, I'll have to look into that one. Yeah, it's a big one. What, <laughs> what about, I feel like I'm going to know this answer, but name one song that gets you really hyped or inspired. Yes. The one song that comes straight to my head is Get Me Bodied, the extended version by our queen, our lord, our saviour, Beyonce Knowles. So if you want to get hyped up, put that on and just, it's so good. I could like this. It's so interesting. Music is like a massive thing and there are songs for every occasion. And like, I love having a song that you go, like if you're in a mood where you want to, like Spotify raps, I froth off. I love it when people share these and everyone's sending these memes out saying like, no one cares. I'm like, I actually care. So if you want to send me, send me your, your rap playlist. I love looking at these things, but it's so interesting because this year I had video game music as my, one of my top. I find it really, really helpful. If you're trying to focus in Mm. uni or in work, listen to the Mario Kart playlist. And it is just like Mario Kart in the background. You're like, you sit there and you're buzzing and like, it really gets you going. So definitely recommend that as well. (laughs) That's so interesting because I, when I had my Spotify wrapped, Hans Zimmer was up there and he like, you know, does a lot of classical music and is very instrumental. Yeah. And yeah, I think people like us, we just kind of operate that way. Our brains yeah. are just, you know, like yeah. it actually helps you focus. <laughs> For sure. I listen to so many different genres, like orchestral study music to help. Like if I'm studying, I need to have like a bit of like orchestra in the background or piano. But honestly, my playlist is my top song. My top artists are like Beyonce. Kanye West's new album, Donda, is like the best album of the year, hands down. Mm. Like, I can talk about music for all day, but we don't have time for that. So not the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll need your playlist, that's for sure. Second last question. What's the worst piece of advice someone's ever given you? (laughs) (laughs) Pluck your eyebrows. And I did, and it was (laughs) – I had a gap like that big. I got them whacked, and that was (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> that changed my the trajectory of my life for the worst. Like it was, that was awful. No, that like jokes aside, the worst piece of advice I think I've ever been given, and if you've ever been given this advice, don't stick to it, is get a job that's going to be secure. Like don't mm-hmm. live life like that. Live, do what you don't want to be 80 years old and look back on your life and think, I'm so glad I stayed in that job I didn't like. I had a really valuable yeah. life. You want to look back and be like, I'm glad I took a risk and, you know, moved into a different industry that I'm actually passionate about. So don't stick to the norm, like branch out. We're in a, a different world now where you can work autonomously. You can work in different fields and different industries. So take advantage of that and don't listen to people who say, get a job that pays you good superannuation because that is boring. <laughs> great, great advice. What would you say is the best piece of advice you'd give to a young creator or founder who is just starting on their journey? Just do it. Like just 
take that risk, take that step and do get a website, get a logo, get a brand, whatever, mm. just set something up and grow it and start small if you have to and then just don't take your foot off the pedal. And if you're feeling the imposter syndrome, for example, just chat to your people, find your people, chat to them, but don't give up and just keep going. If you think it's a good idea, then it's a good idea. Being a creator is such a different industry from like the normal nine to five industry. It's so like, I find it so fascinating that, you know, creators, designers, well, you know, digital creators, they, it's such a hustle. Like from what I can see, Mm -hmm. you really have to hustle and you really have to know your craft. And like, I think, uh, you know, I take my hat off to people in that industry because I don't know, being a creator is not easy. So stick to it and just know that it'll pay off in the end. Like don't take your foot off the pedal. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time and your world of knowledge, Greg. No worries. It's been a real joy kind of listening to your journey and also the career box. So I'm glad you, you enjoyed it because no one else likes listening to me when I bang on about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And like I always, yeah, I even after this, like I listen to it, you know, multiple times. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's really, really interesting. And I think career is, you know, it's really important. So yeah. you need to have these conversations. For sure. And like if people want to reach out to me, you know, for just a chat about anything career related or Beyonce related or just gossip, I don't care. <laughs> Hit me up, like get in touch with me. I'm real, like I won't bite. I will help. I'll give you advice if you need, but like you can need a resume and a couple letter as well. You know where to come. <laughs> <laughs> the career box, everybody. Yes. The career box across all platforms. I think one of my actually Instagrams the career box AU. I don't know. One of them is, but it is the career box. I trademarked my name. (laughs) Friends of the internet, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this app and you want to support us, please share it with other creators or leave us a rating and review. To stay up to date, you can follow me on Instagram at nat.asia and our community at The Personhood. See you next time.